Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Yo, what's up? What's up? Hey, you pop it off with the with the recording. Like normally people be like, all right, cool, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? You oh. pop it off with the recording. For you, I had to. <laughs> it was the wrong way to do it, man. What you tell it, man. You tell it, man. We go right to it. Right now, you know what I mean? Come on, dog. I, that energy, I'm looking for this all day, man. We rocking. Let's go. Man, Let's go. To, come on, man. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow. And I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today we have a very, very special guest. Hmm. My guy, Brick Brandon Myrie. What's yeah. up? Yeah. You know, I just want to let all the kids out there know, you know what I'm saying? No matter if you overlooked four to five to eight times, you know what I'm saying? I'm here now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I really sure. I really sure. Bro, man. Bro, we go way back, man. man. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Can you believe, man? I mean, what has it been? You know, it's going to be 20 years here pretty soon, man. No, I know it's crazy. That one way. That one way. That wow. one way. So, wow. you know, as an athlete, the importance of stretching up and warming, right? Of course. I got All a couple warm-up questions for you. You ready? Come on, man. Throw them to me. And you stay ready. Let's go. All right, here we go. If you're going to listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight, only mm. one, mm. selected. Oh, Okay. You know, I got to go reggae, man. People, you know, you probably don't get too many ragamuffins in here, man. I'm a reggae guy. You feel me? So, like, hip-hop, I could do that. But I got to be in the mood, right? Reggae? Mm. So, this one is probably be Barris Hammond. Barris Hammond, okay, he is the Frankie Beverly yeah. of reggae. That's yeah. how you got to look at him. That, that still does music now. Like, if Be Frankie Beverly was doing music to this day, that is Barris Hammond. So, and I mean, his voice is golden. I sound just like him when I'm singing. It's, it's unbelievable, bro. I'm my, you know, my singing is is crazy. It's real. It's real ill. You you know that firsthand, bro. We, bro, we live on the podcast, man. Give us a little taste. Whatever you, whatever you want. Uh, you know, here's the thing, man. You know, I, I'm in command of my gift. You know, but I'm very humble with it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to upstage nobody. You might have a singer come on here later, and then everybody looking at that singer like, yo, Brick A-Dub singer up. You know what I'm saying? So we don't need that in our lives right now. You feel Out me? Out of respect. Out of respect for future <laughs> Respectfully. guests. Respectfully. <laughs> I, 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 and I respect that. Respectfully. So, so I read. Talk to me. If you have any superpower, you can do anything. What would your superpower be? You know what it'd be? It'd be to eat whatever I want, not gain weight, and not Ooh. get unhealthy. <laughs> Man, that's a rule. I, I think there's a of, listen, there's a lot of people that would that would be trying to buy that superpower from you. Know right what I'm talking about? <laughs> Man, myself and food, I may not have enough, but I'll I'll come right. in there though. Right. 
You gotta put you put that money in that raffle real quick. <laughs> Myrie, yes, what sir. is your favorite TV show of all time? Ooh. That's hard, man. Like I got great TV shows, but can I watch them all the time? You know what I mean? But then yeah, I, I need that show that you can watch it till this day that like you've never seen it before. Like, what's that show that every time you come on, you down to watch it? That one TV show. A different world. Ooh. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's man. It's a different world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 <laughs> yeah. So come on, man. Classic. Who's your favorite uh, character from Different World? Ooh. <laughs> uh uh, was it Frank? What's 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 her name? Oh gosh, I just saw a joint yesterday. Um, the one that does the voices. For yes. the uh, cartoons, What's it's Frankie, name? right? Frank, is it Frankie? I think oh, really? so. Yeah, Frankie. Yeah. yeah, it was her, and then the dark skin one. Yeah, they had Lisa, Frankie, uh, Lisa Bonet, which was um, what was Denise? The... Okay, Delisa. Who are you talking about? Oh, Kim Delisa. It's Delisa. Yeah, no, no, not Delisa. No, the other one. The other one. She Kim? is the. Oh gosh, the one with the short hair. Kim, I think that's Kim. Kim, that's yeah, it. I think that's Kim. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's Kim. Yeah, I um, Ron Johnson was funny. Um, Ron Johnson and uh, I'm definitely I'm Dwayne Wayne though. <laughs> Come on, man! Everybody wanted the glasses, bro. Wanted them. I oh, got you had them. I no, I have them today. <laughs> right now, to this day. So so so, my wife was so kind to throw me a surprise. Birthday right. party for my 40th with the 90s thing. And she Ooh. got me uh, those classic Dwayne Wade Ooh. glasses. So for those who don't love, know, man. they're sunglasses. And you can flip up the, the darker lenses one at a time, two at a time. You kind of tilt a little bit. But, man, you can't tell nobody nothing you had those. With some Jordans on, too? What? Come on. Listen, you know, it's funny because when I went to UCLA, one of my instructors was a producer on the second season. And she mm. told me she's the one who gave him the idea, like gave him the glasses. She's the what? one who created the Whitley character. And she's also what? the one who was like, yo, here's the glasses, blah, 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 blah. I was like, whoa. Wow. You don't know, like. That's heavy right there. That was the one, you feel me? Like, oh. So, so, so when you think a different world, what uh, episodes come up? What come, what come up for you? What kind what? of mind? I got a chance to watch it uh, recently, a couple of years ago, man. And you know, it's funny because uh, Debbie Allen uh, had an episode that, you know, like the season when she got there, Debbie Allen, they really hit some real hard hitting stuff. Like they did, they did. Going yep. On the riots and things of that nature, HIV AIDS and the whole nine. And so it has to be something along those lines with her. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Whitley getting married, like you know, them type of episodes. Whoopi Goldberg had a freaking can had something on there. I mean, she killed it. Like people, mm -hmm. like people don't realize Whoopi came in there and did her thing. Like, you know, people have the ideas about Whoopi, but Whoopi, yo, in her prime, like she got it in that one way. You feel no, me? She definitely did. She really did. Real for yeah. real. Like Whoopi, she's a goat. The um uh, I think uh so you think of when when uh Whitley and Dwayne when they got married, also think about when Dwayne uh interrupted the, the wedding when uh when, when Whitley when Whitley <laughs> about to get married, <laughs> he, he came from, from the top rope, like 
No, 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 he was right. He, he yeah, brought that up. Legendary, bro. You can't forget about Patty LaBelle. Come on, man. Chipmunk, she was baking and everything. Oh, hey, snap. Hey, dog. That, but now she patty cakes. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. Back then, she was going to say this. Right. Y'all ain't know. Right, hold on. Y'all ain't know. I want a girl know. to cook like Patty LaBelle. Scooby <laughs> over <laughs> You don't know that joint. That's, that, that's Jay-Z. That's yeah. Jay-Z. You, okay, yeah. if I'm going to say it's a box, you probably would have got it. But that was Jay-Z. Hey, man, don't, don't go down lyrics with me now, dog. <laughs> you, you know, you know, like, just off, off air, off recording, like, we, right. go, we go bar for bar. All day. Like two All day. We Come go back on, to back, toe to toe. Come on, man. You ain't saying nothing. Come on, man. I was I was listening to Pac all day just to get ready for you, dog. I had that right energy. You had that boot camp. You had that right. boot camp. <laughs> I went a little training camp, right? A little training camp, man. Man, he said, pull a little oh. twist. Because I watched conversations on the phone to the break. No, no. Man, I can't get on that. <laughs> Even the hardest of my homies need attention. Catch him blowing up the telephone. Reminiscing. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to hey. take you to the movies in the park. Oh, oh in the hole. Bro, come on, man. Oh, dang, you already know. We're probably going one way. That one way. Hey, Myrie, take us back, man. Young Brandon Myrie, hometown, where you from? Right. You know, childhood, early beginnings of sports. Take it away for a little bit. Man, so uh, grew up the youngest of three. Um, Suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio, called Forest Park. Uh, predominantly black suburb. Um, nobody had to tell me to like football, man. Football was something that I, I just absolutely uh, was enamored with. I remember watching a game when I was a real young boy and I was almost coming to tears because I didn't think I can play because I didn't have big enough shoulders. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize they had shoulder pads on. So nobody wow. ever told me to like it. Yeah. And um, Walter Payton was my favorite player. When I was in uh, sixth grade, um, all throughout, um, I guess, Little League, Pop Warner, as they say, I always play offensive line, but I always wanted to play running back. <clears throat> and so um, I hit a crazy growth spurt. So like from fifth grade, uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving of fifth grade year to summer going into the seventh, I probably was went from like 140 to like 177. Whoa. So I was always that like chubby guy, but then I had yeah. the height with it as well. And yeah. so over that summer, I ran heels because I read about, I read a book of Mark, uh, Walter Payton. He ran heels. So I ran heels um, and I would run sprints during the summer, man. And that seventh grade year, uh, I became a fullback and uh, my first game, I scored like five touchdowns. They called like three back and like the rest was history. But, um, you know, football was a passion. Uh, I was one of those guys in high school that I could clown around and still get C's. Right. I didn't have to apply myself to get C's, but C's wasn't going to get me in college. C was a two point two point oh grade grade point average. Right. And my high school coach, who I'm still close with to this day, he's like a father figure, man, love him to life. Uh, he sent me on an unofficial trip to Notre Dame. And um, <clears throat> I went up there. I saw 80,000 plus people in the stands. I saw clothing designer Tommy Hill figure on the sidelines. And I saw guys that looked just like me, right? 
And I went home and I got on A and B auto roll. And what that was is, is, uh, is I believed that it could be real. You know, mm-hmm. there is a, a term called self-efficacy where your belief in a being able to attain something. And I believe that's what really happened for me all, uh, as a result of that trip. So A, B, honor roll. Day. Yeah. That's so, uh, so, so what, what grade was that? I was in 11th grade. Uh, oh, 11th grade. Yeah, wow. 11th grade. Yeah, I was a junior. So, um, you know, so like I'm, I said, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. No, yeah. So, uh, like C's, like literally C's and could clown and didn't have to try hard. You know what I mean? So then I came back and was like, yo, this is real. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's when, when you can see it's, it, it's real, it's kind of like uh, Plato's The Republic, man. Uh, Socrates writes about this group of people who are in a cave. And they're chained, so they can't see anything but the wall in front of them. And at the mouth of the cave is a fire, so it illuminates a shadow of the people on the wall. So they name these shadows. They even associate sounds with the outside world to the movements on the wall. Now, to them, this is their reality. Yeah. Says, well, what if one of them was allowed to leave that cave and go out and see the real world? He couldn't come back and live comfortably within the confines of that cave. He'll become frustrated with everybody saying like, yo, this is a real world out there. And they'd be like, no, right. this is what we see every day. You know, and I think in um, our communities, a lot of times we see the same thing. We see the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And we think that we have choices that, you know, uh, that are based on limitations. You know what I'm saying? We don't see the expansive nature of life to know that exactly. there is something out there. And that is so, so true. I had an opportunity to get out of that cave per se and realize that it was real. And I buckled down and, you know, worked hard to try to make something of it. I love it. And so one word that we use to sum that up is exposure. Exposing exposing our young people to the possibilities. And so that's amazing. Hat off to your your coach to give you that experience because that that, that changed your your life forever. Exactly. In the direction. So I'm taking you back. So, so I know you played football. Did you play any other sports growing up? Was it football? Uh, yeah, ran track, uh, ran track, and played a little hoop as well. Man. That's why. That's why brick is spelled with a, a K and no C, man. Because I played basketball. I couldn't have it. I couldn't be brick in basketball. Yeah, you know I mean, so I had to go ahead and do that. You know what I mean, it's Brent. You know what I'm saying? It's B R I K. You feel me? B R I K. How did you get that nickname? I, it's Who gave so it to funny. You? I, I, you know, it's hilarious. I lightweight gave it to myself. I, I literally I'm gave it surprise. <laughs> right? It's so funny. And I was walking in Cincinnati uh, one time and I heard I saw these guys working and I heard one guy say, I ain't that brick, man, such and such. And he probably didn't even say that, but it sounded like it. And so my sophomore year, uh, when we was working out in the summer, I put like brick on my uh on my locker or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the players who was like a uh, he's like a, loud, a silly loudmouth, uh, Arthur Wilson. Uh, he was like, "Yo, man, you, br- you ain't brick, man. Are you? You know?" And so he ca- he started calling me it, and then mm. it stuck. You know what I'm saying? It's up, then it stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. B R I K. Yeah, so, man. So, so basketball, what you play? Like you were a, a forward. Oh, you know what? It's so funny. I was a forward, like so. Um, I started playing that in seventh grade, man. I hit the game winning shot in seventh grade. I was a power forward, uh, seventh and eighth, ninth. Uh, now, now, uh, when you hit the game winning shot, were your eyes open or closed? 
Like it might, might as well been It might as well been closed. Literally, like it was like I just I thought I heard my coach say shoot it, and I was at a three. I was like, and I was practicing the same shot right at the halftime, and I just happened to hit it. Man, we beat our rivals. It was crazy. So uh, I asked the coach. I said, "Did you say it before?" He was like, "Yeah, I said it." But go ahead. Okay. All right, no, no, I'm about to say, you might have to check your ears if you didn't say that because first you thought somebody said brick, right? And they, they may not say that. Your coach told you say shoot, and he's like, that's the nah, imagination. Told you, told that's the imagination. Told you, he told you to shoot, so you're good. So right. you're good. So, so, hey, I, I looked up the Walter Payton as well growing up, man. He was sweetness. I mean, sure. to be his size, but he was smooth right. and strong and powerful as well, right? And when I think of the Chicago Bears, man, how can you not think of the 85 Bears? Come on. Shuffle. Come on. Shuffle, Come on, man. I don't remember that. I remember that 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 uh they had a music video for it, right? That was a dance. We right. Okay, dance. but what was the shuffle. dance? Because I'm thinking of the equal icky shuffle, and I, I don't remember the, the dance though for the Hollywood. Do you remember the dance? I don't think there was a dance, but okay, I mean, got it was, you. It was the song. Maybe before the Super Bowl was the song, and right. it was called maybe it was called a Super Bowl shuffle. Maybe that's what that's I it. Up. That's Super it. it was shuffle. Shuffle. The Hollywood Shuffle. That's the movie, right? With uh, that's uh, yeah, that's our guy. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. oh gosh, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm blanking on this yeah, I just saw him a couple of movies. Mm-hmm. Now, wonderful, wonderful. So, to take you back to come back from Notre Dame, junior year, going to your senior year. So, talk about your senior year and then how the recruiting process turned out for you. Man, so um, I, my first offer came um. A, a small school in Ohio called Miami of Ohio, where Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. went, right? Uh, yeah. Randy Walker was there, a, a, a famous coach there. He was a really successful coach there, I should say. Um, and he offered me basketball season of like my junior year. That was my first offer. And then uh, after that, man, they really start to pour in. I think that um, I met uh, a guy by the name of Sean Alexander, who was a, a future MVP of the league, all, all pro, but he was at Alabama. And uh, I met him going into my senior year. And uh, he was like, yo, this year, go out, have fun. He said, when you take your visits, he said, take all your visits. And so he was like, and that was one thing that I just like, I took advice. Like, I was like, all right, cool, I'm gonna take everything. And so my um, official visits uh, ended up being uh, Notre Dame, Boston College, Michigan State, Pittsburgh, and Alabama. And those were my five teams uh, or five schools. And, um, you know, my family and I, we went on a road. We had a real, that was the time, I'll give you this, this, I'll give you the era. It was Lauryn Hill's album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was out. And so we were we would blast that song yeah. on the road like it was no tomorrow, man. Yeah. Like and that's, so that song has that that album has significance for our family, you right, know what man. I mean? I, like a legendary I, album, right? I, man, I could talk about Lauryn Hill for the next <laughs> Come on. hour. Come on. Funny how money changed the situation. <laughs> Miscommunication lead to complication. Woo. Come on, man. Woo. Hey, no. So so I right, quick L Boogie story. Like I'm talking about when I, I was an L Boogie fan. Like that to one the point way. where I have posters in my dorm. Oh, that one way. And 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 everyone knew it. So there was a magazine with her on there. They would bring it to the room. And so I don't know if you remember. I think it was still up when you came to Pitt. But at the bottom of the hill on Forbes Avenue, it was a, the record store, Sam Goody. Oh, and wow. So no. Okay. It was, it was my freshman year when Miseducation came out. So you're a senior in high school. Gotcha. Right? And, and so 
they were promoting the album because I was, you know, right. from the Fuji sister act. You know, I've been an album fan. All that. They were promoting the album and it had a life size cutout of her with the with like little pocket to put the CDs in there. Right. And so well, I went when I when I got my CD, I said, "What are y'all gonna do with that that cutout when y'all done?" I was like, "We're gonna throw it away." And you call me, and I'm gonna take it. And so after a couple of weeks, they called me. Wow, and, bro! I, I I walked from Forbes Avenue up to the hills, all the way up to Sutherland, oh, which is my size cutout. <laughs> bro, like like I mean, I'm to me, for those who don't know. Pittsburgh, that is crazy. Like a half a mile up a steep hill oh, to get back to the door. Was crazy, crazy. Man, unbelievable. I was, like, I was looking crazy. What month did her album come out? Man, I don't remember the month. It was. I think it was. It was hot out. Okay, so it had to be like spring, summer type. Spring, yeah, spring, I think so. Yeah, I think it was spring. Right. I don't remember the month. Yeah. Yeah, right, but, right. Um, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it probably was about the spring because if you're getting recruiting. Recruiting right. Is probably, probably right around right. there. But uh, go ahead, go ahead. Y'all were bumping Lauryn Hill, going to business. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. man. And uh, you know, one thing that one thing that I cared about was that I um, I felt at home, right? I didn't I didn't care how far I, I went away, uh, long as I felt at home, long as I felt you know like you know I could experience college. You know what I mean? I, that was really important to me in regards to uh, where I chose. My, my biggest factors were, um, you know, the, the education that I would get. And then the second was the, was the football program. So um, every school that I looked at had real solid educational credentials, which was awesome. Um, and then the football programs were all solid as well. Um, so I ended up choosing Alabama, man. Uh, Roll Tide. Roll Tide. And um, I chose them. Uh, Michigan State was my second choice, um, and I probably would have went. It would, Pitt would have been my third. Um, Pitt at the time, it was funny because Pitt at the time was like, "Hey, in a couple of years, we're going to have these facilities. <laughs> they have yeah. blueprints, you know what I'm saying? Mm, right, like right. they didn't have like what they ended up uh, having a couple of years later. So." It, 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 that's what put them kind of down on my list, if that makes sense. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Alabama was pretty much there, you know, in regards to competing on a national level. So I chose Alabama. I um, And I spent a couple of years there. And around September 11, 2001, that's when I transferred. Uh, and Pitt was my number one choice. And, um, yeah, the, the rest is history with that. Yeah, how about that? Um, so how was it being a student athlete, not just a student athlete, being a member of the football team at Alabama? I mean, especially now, I mean, they've been on a run like no other. Yeah. So like, yeah. like, and it's yeah. really nothing but Alabama football right there. Like, just talk a little bit about Alabama fans, just being an Alabama uh, football player. Yeah, 4.9 million people in the entire state, and the majority of them are Alabama fans. And football, what I try to explain to people is football is a religion. Uh, down there. And what I mean by that is 365 days a year. You and I are from Ohio. In Ohio State-Michigan game, they talk about it one week a year, you know, but in Alabama football, you talk about it all year round. And you talk about the rivals all year round. And I remember I was a redshirt freshman 
And I was on my way. I, I, I registered, so I wasn't in the game. And uh, so I, I went down with a friend to the Alabama-Auburn game. And they had these guys called Rick and Bubba, uh, the two sexiest fat men alive. That's what they called themselves. Right? They were hilarious. Yeah. And so uh, they would shoot. Uh, they, were sh- they were somewhere on remote, and they were shooting hot dogs into the into crowds of people. <laughs> and so they were taking calls. They were taking calls and saying, hey, who you for, Alabama Auburn? And one guy said, I'm from Alabama. And he's like, all right, cool. And he said, I just want to let y'all know that this is not just a football game. This is our way of life against theirs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they wow. run a communist regime. <laughs> They're like, wow. yo, like, I mean, the more he spoke, the deeper it got, like it was yeah, like, yeah. yo, this is unbelievable. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, really, but it was really, the, really it was it was wild. So it was like that's the intensity um, from having that type of perspective um, puts a lot of pressure, you know, on players. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so it is definitely a different way of life because also too, you've got people in that state that grew up whose parents loved uh, Alabama, you know, and their kids love Alabama or whatnot. And so like by the time they're raised, they're like, hey, I want to marry an Alabama football player. You see what I'm saying? Or I want to, you know what I mean? Or I'm going to, you know, be a part of the Alabama football team or, or what have you. Like it is like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not like anything you've seen. Um, Traditionally, uh, in the South, uh, football is very is taken very seriously. And I'll tell you this: we went to UCLA in 2000, <clears throat> and uh, we were talking about um, like uh, the the relaxed nature of the players in the West Coast versus where we were. And uh, like I think our, one of our offensive linemen was talking about like one of their big defensive linemen. He was going to go be pro, but he got knocked down. And he was just sitting down like, oh, Ellington, you got me this. Like, it was just like, it was like relaxed. It was a totally different, you know, they go through their, uh, you know, even in pit. Like when we did pregame, we was in suits and pregame meals and all that type of stuff. They're in board shorts and flip-flops. It's a totally different mentality. So imagine that to the 10th degree. And that's what you have in Alabama football, if that makes Mm, sense. Got you. Got you. So, So you decide to transfer. So how was that time for you? Because during that time, you had to train when you transfer, especially um, unless you go down, you have to sit out a year. Yeah. So so how was that for you going through that transition, right. thinking of, you know, whether it's, the, you know, family supporting or, or was it, you know, something that you felt like you let your home home city down? Like talk a little bit more about that transition, because when you were leaving yeah. the I'll, I'll tell you what. Two weeks before I left Alabama, I was like, there's no way in the world I'm going to leave Alabama. I loved it down there. I loved the people, loved the experience. We had got a new coach who didn't know me. It wasn't like he was somebody who came up in the system. So he came from somewhere else. He was like in the Southwest as opposed to Southeast. So he had no clue who I was as a player. And he had his own ideas about offense and the whole nine. So uh, what I start to see is that, you know, they had different uh, ideas and directions uh, for me offensively. And uh, the week uh, that I decided to leave, I'll tell you, I uh, <laughs> uh, the week before I decided to leave, I was in the hospital for the last week of camp. I got a toe infection. 
Uh, they was like, go to the hospital because it could get worse. So they had to like drain it, give me IVs and the whole nine. And we were playing UCLA, uh, UCLA again, and they were going to come to, um, they were going to come out here uh, to Bama. And uh, I really didn't think I was going to play. Like literally I hadn't practiced all week and I ended up getting out there and I had some ball handling mistakes, you know, just timing was off. And uh, before you know it, I was like a backup, back, backup, backup. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, yeah, tailback, um, gotcha, yeah. And so the next week we were playing against Vanderbilt. And you know how it is, man. There's certain teams, man, where you go off on. Like, you know, you kind of know you go off on. And so Vanderbilt, the year before, I scored, you know, my first touchdown against. Like, I had a nice little game against them. You know what I mean? So, um, I talked to a guy and he was like, yo, you really need to think about, you know, transferring, man. He was like, yo, the writing's on the wall. And he had played at Ohio State and he had said that um, he had told me a story. And he almost came to tears with the story, but he was at Ohio State and he was a DB and he was in his fifth year as a senior and he had played behind an All-American and they were playing against Michigan State and the All-American was getting lit up. And so the uh, coach, the, the, the defensive coordinator came to him and said, hey, you're going in next series. Ohio State uh, ended up throwing an interception. He's got his helmet on. He's about to run out of the field. The coach grabbed him and says, hey, I'm going to give him another chance. And like his countenance and demeanor went down yeah. the rest of the season. And like, he was in tears kind of telling me the story. Like, you know, he never really got a chance, you know, to play. And that, that was like the nail in the coffin for him. And, uh, and he said, and I said, you know what? After he told me that story, I said, you know what? I'll see how it goes this weekend and I'll pray about it. And, uh, and I'll go from there. And so uh, we, we go to uh, Nashville and Nashville, not far from Cincinnati. And so I had a bunch of people there at that game and uh, I stayed on the sidelines. And uh, when I got on the field, I was uh, on special teams during uh, extra points or field goals. And it was so bad to the point where people on Vanderbilt, they re they recognized me on the field and it was like, oh, it might be a trick play. Watch out for 42. Watch out. Yeah, from last I'm year. Yeah, my head, like, last Yo. year. Yeah. <laughs> right. I ain't doing nothing but doing this. You know what I'm saying? And so um, after that game, I told my brother, I said, Yo, I'm going to make that move. And so uh, I called my high school coach. And uh, the next day, um, I went to the uh, I went to the coach and I told him, I was like, Yo, I want to transfer. And um, that was Sunday, September 9th, 2001. And at that moment, he started making my life a living hell. Yeah, yeah. And those next couple of days were were very, very rough for me. And I had to be at uh, the University of Pittsburgh by the 12th, or I would not only have to sit out this year, I would have to sit out the following year, 2000. Wow. Yeah. And he wasn't, and he wasn't trying to give me my release. And so it was, it was a rough. It was a rough time. And even 9-11, I remember 9-11, I, um, it, it was, it was almost surreal, right? I mean, everybody remembers where they were, but, um, it didn't really hit me. Cause like, I remember my roommate, I was walking out of the, the, 
the, the uh, apartment and my roommate was like, oh my gosh, somebody did something in the World Trade. And I, I, I didn't even think about it. And I yeah. get into the, uh, the elevator and there's a girl crying. I'm like, huh, it might be something serious. And then I go back and I'm starting watching the television and I see people holding hands, jumping off the side of the building. And I was like, oh my gosh, right. this isn't a movie. This isn't Spider-Man. This is this is real lives, you know, uh, being you know taken, and uh, it, it really put things in perspective. It was like, yo, the stuff that I'm dealing with is nothing in comparison mm. to that. And I just remember I, I had to go back and see that coach like that Tuesday morning, and I remember um, going to see him, and I tried to like have some sort of relatable conversation about that with him, and he just looked at me, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, it was like, and he treated me so bad. I mean, he treated me like I was this, man. And by the grace of God, man, um, the athletic director who was amazing, Mal Moore, uh, may he rest in peace, he really thought highly of me. And he ended up, uh, he ended up, uh, you know, petitioning to allow me to get the release. And so I, <laughs> I could write a book about that. But basically, um, <laughs> I got to tell you the story. Yeah, go so, ahead, go ahead. Um, so the coach, he was really trying to make me, you know, like bend to his will. He was really felt he had my life in his hands. And so part of the agreement that he made me make was that uh, I wouldn't say anything bad about the school. Um, and uh, I had to pay back my tuition for that semester. No way. Yeah. He said, minus the room and board, but you got to pay back every cent, every penny, while you were there in that semester. Wow. And um, I, and I heard uh, after the fact, because uh, Sean Alexander had got involved and was just trying to like smooth the process out. He was like, you know, he, he was, he, he think you, he, he think you don't have it. And and mm -hmm. so- uh, That was Sean in the league by then? Or was he, was he like a senior? At that point. Okay, yeah, so was Sean, really yeah, Sean was an outstanding he, running back at, at um, mm -hmm. Alabama, and now he's in the NFL, but he's trying to hope right. mend that. Okay, go ahead. Yep, and so, um, so really it was mainly to deter me from, from leaving, but he didn't know that I had Pell Grants and I just stacked my Pell Grants. I didn't, I didn't pay, you know, I, I didn't even have like expensive living. Like I just stacked my Pell Grants. So I had the money, you know yeah. what I mean? But he was still trying to take from a little freaking poor kid, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. Some principal, which was some wild stuff as it is, but, um, neither here nor there. Um, I, he still, he said, once you go home and I see that nothing's happening, then I'll give you your release. Well, I, I only had to the 12th to get to pit. You see what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm out, I'm already at the 11th and he's telling me go home first. You see what I'm saying? Wow. And then I'll give it to you sometime down the line. I'm like, that's not going to work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. So, um, so I talked to Mal Moore and I'm like, Hey, you know, um, you know, I, I don't even want to deal with him anymore. Can I just deal with you, blah, blah, blah? Because Mal just treated me like a human being. You know what I'm saying? And so um, neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I couldn't, I, I knew I wanted to go to Pitt, but college rules, you can't, I can't talk to them under scholarship for another team. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So it's funny because, um one of the coaches at Pitt was talking to my high school coach and I just had to listen on three-way. Like, like I, he didn't know I was on there. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. <clears throat> so um, I end up um, 
talking to uh, oh gosh, the, the, there's a department um, that makes sure that you're in in and compliance. Compliance, yes. yes. So I talked to the compliance office. Um, I think when I got my release, and I got my release, and Brian Deal said, "Okay, go. Uh, don't withdraw from school." Uh, until we know we can get you in here. <laughs> that was a coach at Pitt. Yep, yep. And yep, so I'm like, good. all right, whatever. Okay, cool. I got my release. And this is Wednesday, September the 12th. And um, the compliance person at um, Bama, she knew the compliance person at Pitt. And so she was the one who was going to send out the releases to several schools. I said, hey, send it to schools around where I live. I knew I wanted to go to Pitt. And um, she was like, well, let me find out, you know, when you have to be in there just to know. And she looked and she was like, well, shoot, it's the day, it's the day. Like, you know, and I said, you know what? She said, do you still want me to send it? I said, send it anyway. Like I had my, my, my stomach fell out of my gut. It was just yeah. horrible. And so um, they sent it out, they got it, but this is what happened. And I don't know if you, uh, a lot of pe people know this story, but while Harris was uh, in contention to go to Alabama the year the year before. So before they hired the guy who I left, Walt Harris was was interviewing with Mal Moore. Mm. And Mal Moore and Walt, Walt Harris loved Mal Moore. And Mal Moore spoke so highly of me that made Walt Harris want me even more. So when I got my release, he got Walt Harris put on his jogging shoes because the athletic director was out jogging and he went on his trail to find the athletic director to get the athletic director to talk to the dean of schools to give me my paperwork to allow me in wow. that day. Wow. Shout out to Coach Harris. <laughs> so listen, wow. ain't nobody tell me nothing about Coach Harris, okay? Yeah, I, well, I love, I love that, man. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, wow. I got to make sure way. this. Yeah. Definitely. Oh my gosh. So, you know, he goes out and does that. They get me <laughs> to school. I'm talking on the phone with Brian Deal, like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, withdraw. He said, all you had to do was be accepted on September 12th and you're good. All you do is sit out this year. You're good for the next year. And I said, oh my gosh. I got it. I, and I got it. So this was what's crazy because you always hear those stories of players going home and never go, going back to college. Right. I did not want to go home. Like first it was like, it was like, I didn't even want to stop. I wanted to go from Alabama straight to Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Cause I yeah, heard yeah. those stories. Like those people go home and all of a sudden they stay, they stay at home. And so right, that right. was like a huge fear of mine. And uh, I got, um, who became Sean Alexander's sister-in-law. She was, she married his brother. I got her, cause the planes were grounded. I got her to drive me up to Kentucky where her brother, where her future husband lived, Sean Alexander's brother. And I went to Cincinnati. I, I spent one night at my house and the next morning at six o'clock in the morning, I got a rental and I drove up to Pittsburgh. 10 o'clock, I got to Pittsburgh. Um, I met Coach LaSala for the very first time. And I remember being with LaSala and Deal and somebody else. 
and they went around and we got my room, my board, all my enrollment. We, we did like three months of stuff within an hour, a couple of hours. Wow. I'm freaking happen. Wow, that is unbelievable. I freaking um I went to the dean, the uh it was the college the admissions guy at the college that I got accepted into. And I remember he was like, Oh, uh, you gotta pay some application fee or something. And uh <laughs> I had cash on me, right? He's like, Oh, I can't take cash. And I gave him a card. And he walks off with the car and he comes back and he's like, this car is expired. And I'm like, oh gosh. And he put it on my desk and it said waived. I'm like, oh, fee waived. I'm like, God is so good. Like, wow. Like everything, the dots connect. Yeah, God is good. I wow. want to say, who is her name? Donna Sanf. Uh, yes. Brown skin. Um, black woman. Who was the blue? That's Sloan. Sloan. Yep. I remember meeting her that day. Yeah. And she told great. me, she said, Brandon, it's like, I know everything. We know all know everything about you. We got all your paperwork here. It's like, wow. all you to do is sit there and just sign off on stuff. It was like amazing. I got the last apartment in Bouquet Gardens. Uh, God, shout out to Bouquet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I stayed yeah, with yeah. a bunch of engineers that year. Like, I was the only non-engineer in that in that place in that apartment man like god has just set wow. everything in place like that story is like oh freaking goodness i, yeah. I you know yeah, it's like it was divinely inspired no definitely so when you started to tell the story i mean uh, i think you might have mentioned like this like a movie it really is <laughs> like a movie or or or, or some right. type of uh series right. or something like right. that we mentioned hollywood shuffle Earlier, you know, uh, Robert, Robert Townsend, and, um, and and we're going to get into you know your love for film. Right. You work in the industry right. in Hollywood, but right. I could really see whether it's a series, maybe it's a Netflix series. Oh my of, god! Of, of, of transfers stories because because you think about the coach, the Alabama coach who was <laughs> was being a jerk about it. Right, that was the antagonist. Football. Oh my and, god! And, and, and those stories, like there's so many people who try to transfer this share so many similar stories and but and then a lot of them won't turn out as, as well as your day they, they all will have happy ending right i'll tell you i could probably call 20 people right now if you want to if you want to start right that right that's that's script and right. then you can start interviewing them like right. that is something dog there's something there i'm telling you Woo. i will watch so it. you've heard more so you've heard more transfer stories then definitely 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 oh. i mean now the way that stuff connected I mean, right. your story would be the first one, and then we would get more people, and you could start, start sharing their story, and you could turn it to a... there. It's something there yeah. for sure, man. It's definitely like, something there. Like, I, I like, it's, I could, you know how it's like, you know, a miracle happens when, like, I want to be, you know, a preacher right now, but... Preach! What I, what I, what I believe is that, you know, God put laws into the universe. And what I mean by that is like a law of gravity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what goes up, what comes down. Yeah. So there's laws. When he speaks, it's a law. It's it, There's things that, and you don't have to be of any particular faith to take advantage of what God, you know, had put into the world, into the universe. You see what I'm saying? I think a miracle happens when, you know, something goes against 
a law of nature or or the universe. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, okay, yep. is, is not a human type feat. Do you understand yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. right. Exactly. Extraordinary. Right, there you right. go. Exactly. Right. Like it's extraordinary, right. and it's like when when it when something goes against the laws of nature, where you don't have any choice. Like I had no power over that situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things really just laid in nicely. So you know, so there was a lot of miracles that 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 were that were done. You know, in my favor, and I'm very grateful for. And that's when I came. I Sean Rob. That's when I saw Sean Rob. You know what I mean? Very sure. And I was about to transition to that man. That's where we connected at Pitt. And, yep. and and for me, it was really like three guys I was tight with. Uh, right. Brandon Williams, Lamar yeah. Slade, and Brandon Myrie. I had love for everybody else, but that was like the, the four horsemen. And so <laughs> I'm trying to remember, man. Like, you remember how we connected around the time we connected? Because you were you were running back, and I was on the defensive side. I don't know. I think Brandon Williams probably was on defense by the time you got there. He was. So, yep. So I don't remember how we just clicked. You know what? It could have been Claude brought me to church. I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened, you know, we, we went to a pretty popping church. Um, shout out to Mount Aaron, Pittsburgh. You know what I'm talking about? Curtis and you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Uh, shout out, Billy, Billy Curtis. And so, um, <laughs> you know, or maybe, you know, guess who was the, the chaplain at that time though? The chaplain? Yes. At, well, for Pitt? Pitt. Yes. Chuck. Yes. <laughs> Chuck Sanders. Yep. So, yep. So I went to uh, Bible study. Uh, mm. Maybe he was there. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I didn't see like, that happen. Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it was uh, maybe one of the Bible studies there or something like that. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, we probably would cross paths, man. You know, you was a trip though. Like, you know, you 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 go in the church. You know what I'm saying? You come out with a couple of them. You know what I mean? You <laughs> a couple of prayers, right? Oh, that's me talking about. Wait, wait, I ain't gonna put you out there too much. Though. I appreciate you, dog. You, 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 you was on it, dog. Hey, man. Hey, hey, man. I, 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 was, I was searching for a, a golly woman, man. I was searching for a golly woman, man. No. No. Listen, listen, this had to be one of the first times we went because, like, one time, like, I think you and Slade, but one of y'all, I don't know who, who went first. But I think it was it was you. Like we were supposed to be leaving, but you saw somebody go this way to pick up some tapes, and you was like, "I'll be right." Back. <laughs> I'll hey, be man, right. The, back. Man, the ser the sermon was incredible, man. And I just felt I felt the urge to go get in line to get the tape, man. What you talking about, man? I was like, this out. So this is the funny part. This is the funny part. You came back. Slade saw something. He said, hey, y'all, be right back. Like, it was, like, back to back. Ain't nobody leaving. And I was probably driving. You know, I was probably driving. So, like, hey, man, we here for a little bit. Sometimes, man. Man, college days, man. So, we think of college, man. What's some of the other memories that come to mind, man, whether it's on or off the field? You know what? I remember you and Dub. Y'all used to do the, uh, the, you know, the house party joints, man. Those was always epic, man. Those was a great time. I just remember yeah. going. You know, man, I, I don't know. Do you know the story? So we had, <laughs> we had the house party at. Um, I was saying at the waterfront. So they had like the new. Okay, apartment. so that was the second one. I, I remember yeah, the one was, on the south side and the waterfront. 
So the waterfront, that was the second one. So shout out to my mom. You know, they hold me down while I was in that apartment <laughs> because right. you know, those monthly checks couldn't handle that. Shout out to mom <laughs> for that one. But, but <laughs> that's when Circus City was open. And so Brandon, B-Dub knew the whole, the whole trick of once you, uh, a rent like you, you buy something, you... something and, and then, then you got like 30 days returning no 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 questions asked so he rented these huge speakers and all this stuff no, we rocked that party he took it back to that like two days later it's like now nah, i don't want it that's probably God, wow. the city is out oh, of right right you know it's so right. funny it makes so sense it makes so much sense now that he'd be giving these nuggets out these financial nuggets <laughs> Yeah, work-life balance. Shout out to be done. Work-life yeah. balance, baby. <laughs> he been on it. I mean, like, so he and I, we were roommates, and right. but he, that's something that he's always been solid with, with the finances, and so right. making sure our bills are paid on time. All right. that time, hey, all that money, money We get the same amount of check. We get the same check, dog. Like, ain't no excuses. So, like, 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 he had us on top of it, man. He had us on top of it. So, uh, this, so, yeah, so, so, so we had a, uh, a couple of house parties, which was dope. What else? What else? I know for me, when we had that, um, we had a class together. Uh, it was, it was the two of us, and actually Brandon was in it. Organizational a, communication. Wow, you remember the name? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what am, go ahead, tell the story. What am I referring to? Oh gosh, man! So he had us do something that. <laughs> that showed the communication process in, in, the, in the workplace or something, right? And so um, so we came up with a script and uh, we acted out um, this whole little workflow, this work structure, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so I was supposed to be the, I was like the, the manager or the boss or something, right? And who was you, what did you, what did you play? Were you one of, I, I just remember I had one. I just remember the one line, like what's what? going going on, what's going on. I don't know what I was doing, but I do remember that because I think there was a it was it was end up being four of us because I think there was a, a a young lady that was also part. Okay, of yeah. Life. So it was a group project, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Brandon, I just remember he quit. He quit on me, right? He was like, "Yeah, what the blood clot?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then he walked out, and I was like, yep. "You're fired!" <laughs> right, right, right. And we, we recorded it on the uh, the south side, the practice facilities, and let us use the desk and all that. So we had that thing laid out. Okay, that's when we recorded it. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, I think we were we were a little bit ahead of our time, man. We were right. the office. You know, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, you know, it's man, funny because like we uh, the the instructor wanted to. Brandon had told us the instructor wanted to take it and use it for something else. Like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, he wanted, he loved it so much. You know what I mean? We was really lightweight clowning, but he was like, yo, I love this stuff. You know what I'm no, saying? No, no, we did our thing. I think we had, did we have Chad film it? Like, they helped us film it. Like, like we used all our resources and we rocked it. That was a trip. That nah, was that, that that was legendary. Like we we won't forget that one right there. Nah, that was that was classic right we still there. Still use those right lines there. in communication, you know what I'm saying? What yes. is going on? <laughs> he delivered it just like that, too, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> man, that was super fun, man. What about on the field, man? What comes up to you on the field, man? You just hold it down out there as a running back. Man, I know a lot of people when they, they don't really understand. Um like, what do you got to do when you got to relieve yourself uh, on the field, right? And so one time we was playing against Notre Dame, 
Okay, yeah. I thought you were gonna tell touchdown. This this took a little different right. turn. Okay, yeah, you know, and I had to, uh, I was you know I must have been drinking the Gatorade a lot. You know what I mean or whatever. You know what I mean Powerade, whatever it was. And so I had to go, but Notre Dame Stadium is still like 1960s inside, like super old. old. I mean, it's iconic, legendary. Exactly. Oh, like, like, this is it. Like, man, this is right. right, right. So it's like no way to just run off. You know what I'm saying? You can't run off to, you know, the bathroom real quick. And so I just remember like uh, my old roommate, Belarski, and like some linemen, they stood in front of me while I like, <laughs> I, I, I was going to the restroom real quick. On the sidelines? Yes. And I just what? remember. <laughs> what? Going Going on. On. <laughs> Listen, fans are the most hilarious. Like, I think drunk fans are hilarious. Like, for some reason, like, I remember a Miami fan. I, but this Notre Dame fan, like, he was like, when I was doing it, and I, I was hurrying up and finishing, acting like I wasn't doing it, he was like, hey, Myrie, your fly is down. <laughs> he said so. He said it was like perfectly timed and it was it was loud. So it was like quiet on the field. And he said it's so loud. And I'm like, yo, this man is hilarious. Like it was, I just could never forget that. Like that. And then were you you were there the year we went to Miami and played on uh Thursday night, yeah? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave up a touchdown to uh, Andre Johnson. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Right, yeah, so they had, some, they had some, they had about, you know, nine first rounders, that, you know what I'm saying? Those yes, years, they right? did. So um, I just remember Willis McGahee was an all-everything running back, and I just remember uh, warming up before the game, and, and I had my back to the state. I must have ran down to the uh, end zone, and I, had my, I had turned around from the end zone. I was walking back, and I just remember uh, this fan was like, running back? <laughs> Right? <laughs> he was like sophomore Heisman Trophy kid. Like he was like talking about Willis McGregor. Right, 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 right. But right, he was right. making me feel like I was this big, though. It was <laughs> this boy is a running back. That is his so voice hilarious. was loud, and you could just hear like among all the chatter, you can hear right, one right. voice. You know what right. I'm saying? Like it yep. was hilarious. Like yo. This stuff is crazy, man, but I do remember that. So, yeah, the feel, the feel stuff is the feel stuff, but, yeah, that's, you know, I always like to tell people about certain stuff, like small things that you probably wouldn't be able to see on ESPN. You know, no, that was really cool. That was really cool. And, again, it sounds like a series or a movie. Right. A movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, so, 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 uh, getting ready for the NFL draft. Now, was this something that we talked about earlier of you, you know, looking up to Walter Payton, like, did you have, was that a dream of yours to be, to play in the NFL? Or, or absolutely. it was a dream. Yeah. And, and, and then when did it feel like it was, it was going to be a reality? You know, um, I didn't get invited. I, my senior year, I was a Doak Walker candidate. That's one of the top 39 running backs in the, in, in, the, in the country. Third year, third game of the season, I broke my leg. So the next eight weeks, the meat of the season, uh, I was on a stationary bike when scouts would come and I kind of slipped into a depression the whole nine. And I just remember um, uh, coming back like the, the 11th game of the week, um, 11th game of the year, I uh, ran for 188 uh, yards and two touchdowns. We finished in Miami <clears throat> and I went to the, uh, the, the bowl game and did pretty well, but I didn't get invited to the combine. 
And so, you know, I remember, who was I talking to? It could have been somebody at Bama, man. Like, whenever you had a bad game, you always focus on uh, schoolwork. (laughs) 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 For whatever reason, like, if you did have had a bad game, like, yo, you kind of focused a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I always knew that, you know, it's a possibility, but that's also a possibility it is not. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but I went through the motions and, um, you know, didn't get invited to the combine, but my agent was like, yo, we gonna crash the combine. So we went and um, we went and we were just looking to talk to some coaches and things of that nature. And so during draft day, uh, the second day, um, the Broncos- Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so, so y'all crashed the combine in Indianapolis, never heard this story, never heard anybody doing it. It's, It's a bright idea. Now, right. were you able to speak to any of the coaches or your agent? Yeah, so I got to a, I got to a few coaches. I want to say I talked okay. to Eagles coach. I, like, I got to work out out of that. Um, I talked, you know, I might have talked to one or two coaches, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't a lot. You know yep. what I mean? Like, I remember I was getting a massage. It was, like, probably one of the best massages of my life, and my agent busted in. I was like, I'm sorry, man. We got to go meet somebody. You know what I mean? It was, like, one of those yeah. type of things. And so um, – Yeah, so draft. So uh, the draft came and the Broncos called earlier in the draft and he was in the running backs coach was like, Hey, I didn't get a chance to see you up at the, at the combine, but I just want to talk to you. You know what I mean? So we talked real quick, nothing too big. And, and uh, he hung up and then um, seventh round, he called me back and was like, Hey, uh, yeah. And he sounded like he was talking to somebody. He's like, all right, man, we're going to come get you. We're going to go get you. You know what I mean? You're about to get, you know? And so like, literally I was kind of resigned already to being a free agent and um i remember they called me and i was like oh snap that probably wouldn't have been the first place i would have went you know what i'm saying because the the broncos kept a lot of running backs and so uh when they drafted me i was like man i got drafted i was with i was at my agent's office and you know a couple friends and family was around where were you in cincinnati where were you yeah i was in cincinnati downtown cincinnati and i just remember telling my mom i was like yo you know but i was uh i was thinking I was going to be, you know, uh, a free agent. And she said, I'll never forget this. She said, you have the rest of your life to be a free agent. Today, you're a draft pick. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, you know, and, and so I was like, wow, you know, really kind of think about that, you know, to be one of the several hundred, you know, people drafted in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's like maybe two, 236, 237, exactly, something like exactly. that. A small number compared to everybody's plan. Exactly, oh, man. man. So... Uh, so that so that was a beautiful thing getting drafted and, and Denver was an amazing place to go to be the first. It was a great organization. It was a great town. I I I loved the town. Anybody that came out to visit me enjoyed it. Uh, that was where my first professional experience was. So that's where I met like my first professional friends. You know what I'm saying? In a sense, not like football friends, but like there's people who are kind of leaving college, entering the workforce as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got, you know, a group of uh, people that I met there during that time. And, um, you know, that type of experience was priceless. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so um, so how long were you in Denver? So I got drafted 04, 05, 06. I was there up until tra- uh, the end of training camp, which was September of 06. And then uh, I went to Green Bay. Green Bay. So I was in Green Bay. Started on practice. So I, I left. Uh, De- okay. So Denver, um, my second year in Denver, I was on a practice squad. The uh, the uh, New England Patriots called. 
they wanted to bring me to their 53-man roster. And Denver matched my salary to being on the roster salary. Mm, gotcha. Kept me on a practice squad. And so instead of going to, to New England, I was like, I really like what I got going on here in Denver. Uh, I really want to build, you know, outside of just football here. You know what I mean? So I decided to stay. And uh, it's so funny because Rick Smith, I think his name is, he was, the, he was like the assistant GM at the time. But uh, the first week of the playoffs, uh, we had a buy. So nobody had got paid except me. So like one week out of the entire season, I was like the highest paid player on, <laughs> on the Denver Broncos. So he was joking like I was the highest paid player. So uh, that next year, uh, I go to Green Bay and I start on the practice squad. And they're like, as soon as you get the offense, we'll move you up because we're using the same offense that you guys use in Denver. Yes. And uh, I really kind of showed out. And so uh, fourth week of the season, I, I get my first start on Monday Night Football in uh, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? So How about that? That was a great experience, man. So, um, so yeah, so I played there. Uh, and I was, I was starting all the way until I got hurt. And then, you know, my production went down. And I, I got hurt with my arm. And so I wasn't really as effective as I had already been. But then the last game of the season, um, I kind of stink, got a stinger. And it kind of lingered a, lo a lot longer. And your neck. So you had a neck injury. Yeah. Yeah. Neck now, normally, shoulder, stingers, yeah. normally stingers, they last a couple of seconds, right? My stingers lasted for months. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, so my last uh, – my last uh, game of the year, I uh, had got an MRI. They checked it out. They they kind of cleared me for the off season. Then that next, uh, that next uh, preseason, I was out there. I had to sit down because I had a swollen Achilles. But then after that, um, I was running down on special teams during the practice, and I just hit a wall. It was three hundred fifty people, fifty pounds on this side, three fifty on this side, three thirty on this side. And I just ran into it with my head and uh, I just felt it go all the way, you know, down my, my spine. And mm. um, I sat out the pretty much the rest of training camp and, you know, in the NFL, one of the things that they like, you want to get back out on the field, but sometimes they want you to get back. Like I, I remember uh, he said, well, let's just put some clothes, you know, let's put some pads on you. See if you can run around. You know what I mean? I didn't realize what they was doing. Like the trainer was doing that and I ran around and I remember the doctor was like, yo, you just can't get tired of the process. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, cause I wasn't healed and I got out there and practiced anyway. And that allowed them to be able to cut me because I was helping. Right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? So, right. um, so I got cut and I didn't realize how, you know, hurt I was, but when I left there, um, uh, one, one, a friend of mine had a place in Puerto Rico and he was like, yo, man, you can stay at my uh, place, man. I ain't going to be there. You know, I'll get you the keys, whatever, whatever. I remember going to Puerto Rico for, uh, for like a week or two. And the year before I became a, a, a member of this group called the American Screenwriters Guild, there was a guy I met who was a board member uh, from Cincinnati and I met him in the airport. <clears throat> and so he called me and said, hey, listen, um, we've got this conference in San Diego. Uh, we got an extra ticket, man. All you had to do was, was get here. You know what I'm saying? And you can, you, you'd be straight. And I was like, for real? So um, 
He's like, yeah, just think about it. And I think Walt Harris called me uh, the next day. And he was like, hey, how you doing? He was thinking I was like playing. And I was like, yo, um, uh, I got a movie coming out. I was like, I had became a, a co-owner of a company. We put a movie out. I didn't do anything creatively with it. We just put it through our system and I got an executive producer credit. Okay. So the movie was coming out and I told Coach Harris and I said, hey, uh, hey man, check out this movie. It's going to be in Walmarts and Blockbusters and whatever, whatever. He's like, I didn't know you was into that. I said, yeah. And he said, man, you ever seen this movie called Pride? Uh, it was about black swimmers in Philadelphia. I, yep. like, I love that movie. He said, well, I know the writer. He said, the writer, Kevin Smith, is uh, he was like a sportscaster in Pittsburgh before I got there. Mm. You know what I mean? And so Walt, Walt's uh, uh, wife, she gave him the idea to do this. She said, listen, here's these new paper, newspaper articles. You've got to do this story. And he ended up writing the story. And, uh, you know, it became a, you know, $22 million future film. I said, coach, you got to introduce him to me. Coach was like, ah, I'll see what I can do, man. <clears throat> the next day, the guy called me. Mm. Talked for like 30, 45 minutes. And I said, you know what? I got invited to this festival out and blah, blah, blah. I was like, maybe I can come up to LA and holler at you. He was like, sure. So I went to that festival. Uh, I met some amazing people. Uh, I came up to LA. Got a chance to meet with him and um you know that really kind of started me that that was another part of my journey and like storytelling like at that moment i had distribution through that company i was a co-owner of and so people would try to you know leverage my distribution to get financing to be able to put a movie out and things like that and uh in this industry you can be working on several projects and then you get to close to the finish line and then they fall they fall out and you're back at square one and at the same time, I hadn't been focusing on the creative side. So I was like, you know what? I want to start telling stories. I want to start telling, you know? So uh, I started writing again. And um, and then I was like, yo, uh, I think I'm going to start shooting stuff from Cincinnati. You know what I mean? And um, the NFL ended up having a program a couple of years later out here in California. And they were like, hey, one of the guys who put it on, he said, hey, have you ever thought about living out here? And I was like, huh. So right around that time, I was about to get married and um, me and Tiana, we were talking about, you know, living different places. And so <clears throat> I said, well, what do you think about California? And she was like, let's do it. <laughs> and so I was like, I was so, you know, so, so fortunate, you know what I mean? And she was like, yo, let's rock. You feel me? Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, cool. When we get married, you know, I'm going to do this uh, transportation company for about six months. We'll save enough money. We'll get out. Like six months come and go. She's like, why are we in California? Nine months come and go. Why are we in California? So nine months came and I ended up leaving the country to go to a friend's uh, uh, a wedding. And I remember I had to put somebody in my place um, at that transportation company. So I was like, huh, I still got money, but I wasn't making a lot of it. Like I still got a profit margin. So I said, man, one route is a route, but two, you got a business. And so I got another route, put somebody in there. I got another one, put somebody in there. And then I had like a business that was generating revenue, right? Yeah. And I reduced myself to where I could do it on like one to five hours a week. Mean, meanwhile, it took a little temp gig at Amazon to get my uh, house fixed in Cincinnati so that I could rent it out. So when mm -hmm. I come out here, I had a source of income. So I came out here, I had that business going and I ended up having somebody in, um, you know, renting out, um, 
one unit in my place. And so uh, <clears throat> that really allowed us to have some sort of, you know, foundation while we were yeah. out here. And she was like, you know, looking for a gig. Um, when I sold the transportation company, I started another, um, I'm like a serial entrepreneur. So I ended up buying another company, like a bookstore. We had 30,000 books. We donated a lot of books, but we would sell them online. We'll sell about several hundred books on, uh, a month online. I ended up buying that. Um, I had somebody who ended up working for me and he was a young kid, but he was a veteran and he, um, uh, he was an addict um where he relapsed you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so at the same time um i was in the process of shooting my very first project out here and i just didn't have you know the the, the finances were going down on that end and i didn't have the bandwidth to really just kind of finish this up and so the project ended up getting shelved because we lost a lot of footage and all that type of stuff so 2016 was that year and I spent the rest of the year just going to UCLA. I was in producing program and I was in a, a TV writing program. So I just, used, oh. I just kind of licked my wings doing that. Go ahead. So I'm going to jump in. So, um, so, so, so where did this love for storytelling and, and, and this dream of working in the space that you're in, producing, writing, uh, Hollywood? Right. You know, it's so funny. I think um, it's uh, a couple of years I went back home and I found something uh from my senior year it was a paper that i probably had to write high school college yeah, high, school? high school yeah okay and it said something about like oh and i'm gonna go to <laughs> i'm gonna go to hollywood and be an actor or something like that and it was like yo like i don't even know where that came from like why did i even yeah. say i'm moving to, you know to hollywood and do this like it was not even in my in in, in my lane at that point that was Football, you know what I'm saying? Was right, right, right. There. So what made me write that? Like, you know what I mean? So it was kind of funny, but uh, when I was at Pitt, I took an undergraduate, uh, I had to take a uh, uh, an elective and it, it was creative writing. And the creative writing course, uh, I came out with some stuff I felt really good about. Like what, mm. like as a writer, what's in here and here is on page. You're like, oh, you feel it. Like, this is what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? Actually, yeah. And I was talking to my tutors who were grad students at the time. And I was like, yo, I was joking. I was like, yo, I want to be a writer like you guys. How can I write? You know what I'm saying? One of them like, just write. And one of them says, you know what you can do? He said, when I graduate, I'm going to move out to Hollywood and become a screenwriter. And so I was like, oh, for real, what's that? And so we went on the internet. We looked at scripts that have movies that had already been produced. And he said, listen, once you learn the format, you just let your ideas go from there. And the other guy said, mm -hmm. yeah, you do have some crazy ideas. So he gave yeah. me a list of books to read. And then uh, um, I started reading scripts and that became a hobby. And I just remember one time he always said, like, don't ever get too attached to your script because by the time it gets to the big screen, it might not look anything like what you originally wrote. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, like, well, how can I get more creative you know, control over it? And I found out directors had more creative control and producers had more creative control. So. So yeah, so producing is really, um, producing is something that uh, I've, I, I've got an ability to do it because I've done events before. Producing is like producing an event. Like if you have done those events, you can produce film. You understand what I'm saying? Like TV is a different medium. TV, the producers are the writers, okay? The people who are in charge, is the, it's a writer's medium. But in film, like you could take those same skills and apply it to a feature film. You know what I'm saying? Making gotcha. sure everybody's in place, making sure you got what you got, you know, putting out fires, that whole thing. You know what I'm saying? So um, over this time, I've been able to kind of acquire that. So producing to me 
on certain levels is like, I can't, I mean, it's nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so storytelling, no, I've always, you know, I, even when I was playing with the Broncos, I used to write, you know what I'm saying? I, I took writing classes and things of that nature. And so, um, and directing is, is just another, you know, medium of control where you can visually tell it what you see. You know what I'm saying? Got you. Got so, you. Um, so yeah, so that's how that works for me, man. Now, now for those those who may not see the video side of this, you have a shirt that says the magical root. What is oh, the magical root? What you know about that? Talk oh, pub. Okay, yeah, okay. man. So what's up? What about it? What is it? Oh man. So the magical root is a true story about the life of Frederick Douglass, and I created a short. Uh, illustrated film, award-winning short illustrated uh, animated film. Let's yeah, go. Man, yeah. <laughs> so um, basically, man, Frederick Douglass was born a slave. He was uh, at the age of 15 or 16 sent to a slave breaker because he was kind of starting to get unruly. So slave owners would send your, their slaves, their worst slaves to slave breakers. And they would basically break them down physically and mentally to be able to be just a just a, a block where they do whatever you want them to do. So he went to a guy by the name of uh, Covey, uh, Edward Covey, and Covey was a sadistic slave breaker. Not only was he physically abusive, he was also mentally abusive. He worked them hard, but Covey was out there working hard with them, but he would also, have uh, a sense of um, uh, omniscient um, a sense about him. Like they always felt he was watching. So yeah. he would be on one side of the branch and then all of a sudden he'd be right behind you. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh no, yeah. So um, Frederick got beat bad a lot of times uh, by Covey. And so first six months, Frederick was broken. He said it himself. He was broken in mind, body and spirit. And um, it was one time that he got beat so bad that he ran away and he ran back to his original slave owner, thinking that since he was that man's property, that man would want to see, you know, not to see any harm done to him. But his original, Hugh Ald, his original slave owner said, no, you better go back to Covey because I don't want any static between me and him. So you could stay here tonight, but you got in the morning, you better walk your tail back on over there. And I just think about, you know, that had to be the longest night in Frederick's life. That had to be the longest walk in Frederick's life. Mm. He walked through the woods. He ran into uh, another slave, an older man by the name of Sandy Jenkins. Sandy Jenkins told Frederick, hey, here's this root. It is magical. Put it in your right pocket and you'll never be beat again by another man. And Frederick was like, oh, this is some superstition stuff. But it was something about Sandy's confidence and countenance. Plus, Frederick didn't have anything to lose. He was at yeah. the lowest point of his life. So right. he took it and he went back to Covey. And when he went back to Covey, uh, Covey didn't say anything. So he was thinking like, yo, this roof might have something going on. Yeah. Right? And then, um, but Covey was, he, he played mind games. And so he went into this stable and started working in this stable with horses and Covey came up behind him. 
and lashed him. Okay. And Frederick turned around and fought that man for what he said felt like two hours. It was to the point where Covey called somebody in, Frederick beat him, and that guy didn't want anymore, so he ran out. So finally, Covey quit and walked away. And Frederick said that day he was a slave in form, but not a slave in fact, which meant physically he was a slave, but his mind was no longer that of a slave's mind. Yes. So imagine a slave during that time walking around like they're not a slave. Imagine, exactly. Imagine how other slaves looked at him and other slaveholders looked at him, you know, as he held his head up high and looked them in the eyes. It's like, who do you think you are? And that's exactly right. Who do you think you are? Are you a slave relegated to the circumstances? Are you somebody who can overcome learn to read, get your freedom, free others, and, you know, and become a businessman, an entrepreneur. And, you know, Frederick Douglass was probably one of the most influential Black people in the 19th century. And so if he can do all of that during, you know, that time, how much more can we do now? And that's what I put in a two and a half minute video for The Magical Root. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And and, and so, so, so as I started, I was really excited for this opportunity to share with you. Uh, you're a wonderful storyteller. I understand why this is your profession. I think I, I, I had an idea you will you will win this award on the, the longest Inside the Play Call podcast episode. You officially have won and I knew it. Uh, I think it was 51 minutes. We're like, we're over an hour now, but it, it, it's been wonderful. And we actually oh, probably man. could go another 35 <laughs> minutes an hour. For sure. Uh, but, 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 but as we look to wrap this up, as you know, the mission of Orange Arrow is to coach student athletes and for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. Now, you embody this, being more than an athlete. Why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of this sport? Because sport has a limited time span. And I believe uh, your lifespan will be a lot longer than it. And so uh, how you are outside of sports will help determine how you are inside of sports, but it also determines how well this world functions because a more complete you, a more complete me um, will help create uh, a life worth living for a lot more people. Uh, The value that you put in, the, the seeds that you're able to plant are, uh, will be exponential. You know what I'm saying? In, in a sense that um, I believe it's a walnut tree, um, a huge walnut tree, you know, comes from a single acorn or oak tree comes from a single acorn, right? In the same sense that, a, you know, that same little acorn has the ability to provide countless amounts of shade and food and and, and all sorts of things for countless uh, organisms, right? So in that same way that, you know, when you invest in yourself through this program, you can sprout exponentially. Man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time, man. I've been, they've been great. I'm, I'm so glad that Coach Garrett did that jogging and running. 
and, and they <laughs> score. They they would have had to do the pool streams to get Brandon Marie there because because yeah. you know we turned them from teammates to friends to brothers, man. So oh, man, love you, bro. Thank you for your time, man. Looking forward to catch up on the, on the other side. I'm saying, my man, my guy. Keep the Peace. fire burning, brethren. <laughs>